All right, my people, this is your man, L. Jamal, coming through for another edition of Never Out of Bounds. You know, this is a place where your Second Amendment is protected as long as you got them facts. Uh, let's get into it. We're in the middle of the week, your Wednesday afternoon. We're getting close to your Wednesday afternoon. So let's get right into it with the world on the street. And I have one major topic to talk about today, and that is going to be climate change. No, not global warming. No, not global cooling. Climate change. That seems to be no in his sight and it is more serious than we ever would have imagined now first things first emissions of carbon dioxide are at their highest level worldwide global emissions jumped 1.6 percent last year and it jumped up to 2.7% this year. 37.1 million pounds of carbon dioxide are released every year. This is at an all-time. This is again another all-time high. Uh, India increased their CO2 growth by 6%. China uh, is 5 point, uh, actually rose by 5%. These are some of the worst defenders. However, the U.S. produces about the most in total um, in total CO2, and also they had a 2.5 growth as well. But also, so has the EU. This is funny because they've all been coming together since 2007, 2008, if I'm not mistaken, in Paris to come together and uh, bring these issues to light, uh, bring these issues of CO2 emissions, carbon footprint, so on and so forth, all this fancy terminology. They've been coming together to talk about all these things and find uh, solutions to combat this. Uh, however, like I just previously stated, CO2 levels are rising in a president and precedent levels regardless uh the u.n has been holding a special meeting in poland um this comes from the uh this is i'm sorry this is in this quote here comes from the secretary general of the u.n uh antonio guterres uh he goes on to say we are in trouble we are in deep trouble with climate change even as we witness uh devastating climate causing havoc across the world we are still not doing enough not moving fast enough to prevent irreversible and catastrophic climate disruption this is all they say all that and you think about it folks in california are paying the most taxes the highest cost of living highest gas prices so again and you think about why our brothers and sisters of France are going so bad. Well, they pay some of the highest taxes for gas and for diesel in the in the EU, in the European Union. Yet and still, we're still promoting greenhouse gases. Uh, we're still killing our environment. And guess what? People's cost of living is still being affected. So... Those those guys have been coming together, those rich guys or those those rulers have been coming together, you know, for the G20s and the G6s and the climate councils. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's literally all bullshit. They're wasting their time. They've been lying to us. What have they been coming together to meet about? They haven't changed anything. The facts are in the, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is right here in the pudding. Global emissions are at their highest peak. But why are you guys meeting together? And then in France, they turn around and give us taxes. In California, we pay some of the highest prices for gasoline. What are you doing? Nobody wants to go into renewable energy. Nobody, no, no, uh, no government or administration on the global level has pushed on a on a major scale renewable energy. Trump is still rolling back protections, uh, rolling back uh, e EPA protections as we speak. And again, 
do not call it global warming. Okay, this is not a global warming type. Trip. This is not places getting warmer. Okay, this is why it's called climate change. Thank God I went to SSJ and my Berkeley High alumni would know what I'm talking about. I could have went to AHA. Thank God, because I wouldn't even know about this stuff. This is climate change, ladies and gentlemen. If you're hearing the word, if you're hearing the term global warming, that's somebody who's ignorant or does not want to know about what's really the deal. This is not a global warming trend. Climate change. Climates are changing. They're not necessarily getting hot. Some places that were originally hot are getting cold, but some places that were originally hot are getting colder. Or some weather patterns are staying longer than usual, like in California, your drought conditions. Every other year you can get you can have a drought because it doesn't want to rain. It's not about being warm all the time. Stop falling for the hype. That's what the people who don't read say. Oh, global warming, it doesn't feel quite warm to me. That's not the point. It wasn't supposed to just be warm. There's more than there's more than than than, than warming. That's an, that's an aspect of this climate change here. Like I said, shifting weather patterns is wetter in some places. It's drier in others. It reverses. Or like I said, the wet patterns continue. The dry pat or the dry patterns continue. Drought, flooding, hurricane strength. Hurricane Katrina has been affect was affected by high, uh, rising rising temperatures in that in that area. These these you these these hurricanes that you're seeing, uh, even the more the more recent ones, I believe Michael, same thing. These intensity are be, the intensity is being ratcheted up by this greenhouse effect that is that is happening because of this emission of these carbon cell fuels, which nobody wants to address. But I'll keep I'll keep going. Wildfires in California. Why do you think they keep going on like that? These are dry conditions. They're, we're we're dry a considerable amount of the year, which we weren't at one point. Obviously, that's all we're saying here. Dry land creates fire conditions. If you add a little bit of wind to it as well, sure we can we can we can prune back the the grass and we can prune this back in a little bit. But look, we all it's already that part of it. You know, trimming and and trying to rake that part of the game is kind of over. You've already disrupted the environment with with your gases, corporations, governments. Us raking and 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 pruning hedges and pruning the forest won't do as much as you think it will, especially when you have greedy corporations that don't give a damn. <coughs> PG and E, I'll just leave faulty equipment around anyways. <coughs> PG and E, and y'all don't y'all don't get it. Y'all get it. Y'all will get it though when you start seeing an increase in your taxes because of PG&E in California. At least this is why they're this is why they're taking arms up in France right now. This is why I say Viva la France. I'm down with the revolution. I'm down with the workers. Cause see here, I guess we don't get it. We're we're okay with sinking coastlines. You know the city of Miami, especially along the waterfront, is sinking. Those high rise buildings they're sinking because of rising sea levels. Same thing in California. You don't get it. Right there along the coastline of San Francisco, you got a whole bunch of buildings sinking, sinking. People's greed has gotten in the way of your daily life, and you don't even want to admit it. This is why they're going bad in France right now, and I'm down with that. I'm, I'm tired of greedy corporations sneaking in and trying to take something over the top and putting you at risk health-wise. Come on, bro. They've been doing this for centuries. Why do you think we're here? But y'all wanna y'all I I mean I don't get it. But anyways, in terms of this 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 um 
this pollution here, we need to cut all this pollution out by 2033. If not, it's a wrap for us. Believe that. I, this is this is this is the facts. This is I didn't come up with no. I, this is not. It's not no storybook. This is not some some you know hard. No, this is this is facts. We are releasing three hundred. Uh, sorry, thirty-seven million tons or pounds of carbon dioxide every year. Com uh, countries and their regulations, they're rolling back regulations. Governments are rolling back regulations in order to allow corporations to continuously spill this pollution into our air. Allowing these corporations to be negligent and allowing forest fires to happen because of faulty equipment. It's not you. It's not us. It's them. We keep buying into it. Why? I don't know. I really don't. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, my first break of the, of the day. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get into some, into some college football. Excuse me. Uh, there's some drama going on at the University of Oregon. Uh, we're also going to highlight uh, some of these Heisman candidates as well. And we do have a coach retirement to talk about. So I will be right back, y'all. All right, y'all. So I'm back. And I'm going to get into this college football news. And like I said, the University of Oregon has uh, has been facing some drama lately. And it looks like the NCAA has decided to put a uh, put the athletic department as a whole uh, on probation for two years. Now, violations occurred in the track and field, also both uh, the, uh, the men's and women's basketball teams. And also the football team as well. Uh, now let's break it down a little bit. Also, uh, women's basketball coach Kelly Graves will be, have to sit out for two games uh, for not monitoring his staff and cooperating with the NCAA. Uh, Dana Altman also got some flack for not properly overseeing his staff. Um, and also the basketball teams, both of them were fined five thousand dollars and one percent of their budgets. Now, the the um, at least. At least the claims that I'm hearing, uh, they don't. I'm, I don't. Well, again, I'm not a hundred percent. Well, I'm not uh, all into the the NCAA ruling committee or all that type of stuff. So again, it's obviously a violation. But from what I'm able to gather, uh, basically for at least for the women's basketball team, their violation was having one of their uh, one of their conditioning coaches or their strength coaches uh, participate in a drill with some of the players. Obviously, that's well, that's a that's a rule breaker. I didn't know that, uh, but apparently, you know, other staff that's not, I guess, coaching staff can work out with children, uh, well, the well, the kids actually or the students actually because they're uh, they're adults at this point. Um, also, with the basketball program, uh, something a little bit similar, but. Dealing more with workouts, uh, a an official for the basketball team uh, held about 64 workouts with, I believe, high school children or high school kids, uh, prospective recruits. And again, that's a violation. Again, I don't know, you know how many you're supposed to do in the offseason. If you're supposed to do any, again, uh, they claim to not know, you know, in, in both of these situations, there was a situation in which uh, both the uh, the parties who committed the the action, they weren't really too sure of the rules. And it kind of makes sense because, you know, you are in the offseason, you are trying to scout talent. I don't know how you scout talent. You know, I don't know how you're working with talent or helping to get them better uh, if you're not working with those 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 recruits. So I'm not too sure. You know, again, they've obviously broken rules according to the NCAA. Um, I'm not too sure 
you know, myself what those rules are, um, word for word at least. Uh, but and again, you know, they obviously seem to not know of the rules as well. It looks like to me, uh, the biggest, uh, the allegation, the worst allegation in my opinion, though, is a professor changing a grade from an F to a B minus, which allowed a track and field athlete to stay eligible and also earn her degree. Uh, the, the grade was originally stated to be an incomplete, uh, and it was to be made up over the summer, but the online grading system at the university uh, would not allow that to happen. Uh, again, again, that's pro probably the worst offense that I can that I can look out for. Uh, obviously, you're changing the grade, uh, but again, you know, I can even see a little bit of of some of, of some devil's advocates type stuff there. Uh, again, there might have been a situation in which she could she could not foresee, uh, at least being a student, um, she might have missed anyway, and she being a student athlete, um, and I and I think at the end of the day i've always i've always felt like this about grading and teachers grading i think it's all arbitrary uh i think i think pretty much if you're if you're on top of your game and or at least you're participating in class i i think a, a lot of times teachers will look to give you the benefit of the doubt unless you're an asshole kid or an asshole student uh i i kind of i kind of do see the jump from an f to b minus i probably if i was a teacher i mean i know it's wrong and all that but again you know According to the university, the university is saying that they didn't they didn't violate policies of the university. So uh, again, I can't I can't get on the situation too hard. I personally, if I was if I was a, a professor in that situation, especially since it's not violating, I still wouldn't give I still would have given that child a C. I can see where a B minus is a little bit egregious. Uh, again, C is passing. Uh, we all know a D and F, of course, is not. And I would have rather taken that over an F. You still get the degree anyway. You still remain eligible. But I do guess because of because of point uh, GPA averages and all that, uh, B might have looked a little bit better. But again, uh, C would have probably kept it eligible. A C would have gotten her the degree. They're not they're not looking for you to be an A student. All I mean, you know, unless that's your thing. Uh, if you're if you're passing, you're showing up. I'm like again, I I can see people getting the benefit of the doubt in those situations. Again, unless you're an asshole student, regardless of whether or not you play a sport, uh, a teacher is usually looking. And if you're like I said, if you're on top of your game, and again, like not an asshole student, I think a lot of, a lot of teachers are looking to give people the benefit of the of benefit of the doubt a lot of times. So that one, even though it's in in my opinion, it is the worst of all the allegations. Uh, it's still hey you know again and if, with that being said again they didn't violate school policy so there you go uh and uh finally the football team uh they violated rules by posting personal in info about their prospects during their visits to the to the school uh meaning uh from, from the example that i saw uh it was simply a a ticker like a ticker board uh where they would have each uh prospect uh, stand at they would take a picture with them or they would just stand next to the uh, little board uh and they would just basically state state their name where they're from what high school they're going to height and weight again i'm not too sure what revealing information that they actually showed uh what information that nobody i mean this and that's all information that any any random joke look up online if they wanted to so again i'm trying to figure out exactly uh well i can't argue with the ncaa these are their rules uh but again 
I just don't, and I, and I don't mean to say all this because I'm a fan or nothing like that. But again, some of this, like with the with the strength and conditioning coach working out with the girls' basketball team again, like isn't that what they're supposed to do? Like if she knows basketball, why can't she be out on the court? Like there's so many, there's so many rules and there's so many um, by rules, and I think that the NCAA every now and again it picks and chooses, just like everything else, it's arbitrary, and they arbitrarily decided to go after the Ducks this time, and I kind of think it's not fair. Uh, but again. I guess their rules are their rules. Uh, but moving on, uh, we have some uh, some retirement news. And coming from a big-time coach, uh, Urban Meyer, I've talked about him before this uh, this in this in the college football season. Um, and he's looking to retire from coaching at the end of the season. Uh, that brain system that I originally talked about a few weeks ago, it's a little bit more serious than I thought. Uh, Chris Carter, one of his uh, – well, if you guys know about Chris Carter, uh, all well, I, I, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, if not now, then eventually later. But a Hall, a Hall of Fame receiver, uh, he was coached by Urban Meyer. Uh, he was his receiver's coach. Urban Meyer was his receiver's coach back when he played there. And they became good friends. And, um, you know, I take his word for it. You know, that's his confidant, somebody who he spent some time with, some, you know, it's a good amount of his life with and exchanged some important life moments with that guy. So I I will res- I definitely respect his take on it. Um, it, it appears that brain cyst is more serious, like I said, than I thought uh, it is. It's, it's stress based. Uh, so definitely anything coaching related, anything related to being on the field that brings up a lot of stress for him um, and it causes that cyst to leak matter into his head and which has led to him you know either taking a knee during a maryland game or if you saw him during that that uh indiana game which was pretty intense as well he had both his hands on his knees and he's really clasping or you might even see him grabbing his head every now and again but that's what's going on um i did not know uh it was that serious uh but uh, I think with all that being said, I think it'd be wise for him to step away. And I'm almost uh, he did say he wanted to step in at the, at, at the, after the uh, the Rose Bowl game, excuse me. But even then, just because of what I know, I almost feel scared to see him go through that because I almost feel like what if something happened to him on the sideline of an important game like that? And just uh, just all that's on the line for him. And um Hopefully for him, he, he understands what's what's you know what this game is all about, and uh, regardless, I I hope he just takes it as a a running off into the sunset type of game. He doesn't take it too seriously, and and I and just really do something serious to it. Yeah, he can't recover from. And uh, Chris Carter said it himself. He's like, you know, I'm not too sure if you should coach. I don't want to, and I'm paraphrasing of course, but he said I don't really want to be um have to show up to my friend's funeral. I don't want to have to be that guy to you know turn around and have to be showing up to your funeral if that's what you want to do. And um, it just makes me worried as well because you know I you know I don't know the man myself, but I, being a fan of college football, he's always been a fixture. He's always been somebody you know about uh, through just through him coaching and him just building up young talent and young men to pursue their dreams to to earn a career uh, in the NFL and just helping them gain even just degrees and just help them go on to the next level. We look at what he did with Chris Carter. Uh, that's one example right there. If you don't know, um, and of course he had that drama uh, recently this year. And I think a lot of that slided, at least on his step. And I'll give him a pass again. I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate um, because of uh, because of you know just what he was going on. And I could see him not pushing that situation because of what's going on and just with himself and uh, having to maintain this the cohesiveness of the team. And it's very hard and difficult to do that on that level. Uh, what he was going through, and uh, of course he had uh, he was indebted to the 
to the assistant's father, that being Zach Smith, and that being the guy who uh, got him into some trouble this season by him beating on his wife, be that being uh, Zach Smith, one of his assistants. Uh, but he was indebted to that person's father. He knew his father for a long time, and he was doing something, uh, you know, to help help that family out and for those two reasons his health conditions and him just being having that close connection with the assistant's father i can understand of course i did not like how it was handled all the way but now with all these health concerns coming out i i gotta give him a little bit of a pass as opposed to joe paterno uh and jerry sandusky and his assistant jerry sandusky in case you guys don't know too much about that uh just to kind of bringing another story just another example uh jerry sandusky was uh his defensive joe paterno's defensive coordinator at uh penn state and this is in the 80s and 70s and up until about early 2000s and uh right after joe paterno decided to retire he eventually would pass away uh unfortunately himself but it came out that jerry sandusky uh was sexually molesting kids and people on that football team i believe as well uh and the difference between that situation and this one just to just to make a point here is uh, joe paterno for a long time knew about that situation uh that situation was zach smith recently came up it was about a year in which it happened uh, i don't believe or at least when it was known on a national level there was no charges uh brought up in that situation of course in jerry sandusky's situation there was many parents accused Using him over a period of time and Joe Paterno was the face of that so that's why I can kind of give uh, Urban Meyer a a pass now especially now that I know about his health concerns Joe Paterno didn't have to worry about any health concerns uh, he knew who Jerry Sandusky was from a long time those situations those those accusations were going on for a long time and outside of that situation there's no real drama that's followed Urban Meyer before or uh good thing for him since but overall uh, he's, he's a really good coach 186 and 32 overall in his overall record uh he's 82 and 9 at ohio state in his seven years there uh, he's a three-time big 10 champ uh, a two-time sec champ he's also won a, uh, a mountain west championship conference championship uh way back when uh he hosted at utah he also uh, started off his coaching career at bowling green which he turned around i remember them winning a ball game uh, if i'm not mistaken as well uh he's an 11 time coach of the year uh winner and that's on a national level and a conference level so this guy has no, nothing to sneeze at he's he's uh he's led many teams to the to, to the national championship and he's led many players uh to get their their paper in the, in the pros so you cannot hate him for that um Although he's dealing with his health concerns, there is a possible link to him maybe possibly going to the, the Packers. And although the uh, the USC Trojans have officially decided to resign their head coach, Clay Helton, of course, there's there's news that he could always take a break and want to come back and get that job uh, when it opens up. But I, I don't see it happen. I think he's going to take his, his break, especially if he wins. He's going to ride off into the sunset. If he does come back, give it a year or two. Give him, give him a year to rest and, and get his mind together and get, him, get healthy. And I I don't want to see anything happen to him either. That's just that's just me, and uh, and that's coming from as a football fan. And finally, uh, we got our Heisman finalists. Uh, we're gonna go through there real quick. We're gonna have the the um, the ceremony, I think, in another week or so, right before the the, the uh, ball games hit. But let's go to the top three right now. There are three, and it's a three man race, it's a three man quarterback race. But we're not surprised if you've been watching college football this season. This does not surprise you. But let's go down this list real quick. We got Kyler Murray, seventy percent uh, completion percentage, forty touchdowns, five, uh, four thousand fifty three yards. Of course, you know he's 
led, uh, recently led the Oklahoma Sooners to a Big 12 championship and a number four spot in the playoffs. Of course, they will be taking off against Alabama. That should be, I think it might be a bomb burner. If if Oklahoma comes to play offensively, it should at least be a bomb burner, back and forth scoring, almost like a pinball game. Uh, so that should be an exciting game right there. He's also, uh, you know, contemplating playing uh pro baseball so he's he's uh straddling the line right now i think i think uh his choice will probably be a a, a little bit determined by how well he performs in the uh in the playoffs so we'll see uh number two we have uh and this is no real order really i'm just going down to the top three uh but tua tagovailoa of course the quarterback out of alabama uh 3353 yards 35 touchdowns again uh he did get knocked out uh in that um in that SEC championship game versus Georgia. I think he's slated to play, though, uh, for a national championship. I don't think it was a serious injury. Uh, but, again, uh, really great passer. One of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen come out of Alabama's system. I would not surpri- be surprised if he got it. Uh, but I think Kyrie, uh, I'm sorry, Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins, the next guy I'm going to talk about a little bit, have a little bit better numbers than him. Uh, but again, he has that Alabama brand, and I think he's the more suited to win this championship. Uh, and of course, Dwayne Haskins, uh, his team, Ohio State, did not make it to the top uh, top four for the playoffs. Uh, but he definitely had a good season in his own right. Uh, 70% completion percentage. I think Kyler Murray's is, is another point a little bit above his. I think he's 70. Uh, Kyler is 70.6. Uh, Dwayne is seventy point two, I believe. Uh, he's went. He's has four thousand four. Uh, sorry, four thousand five hundred eighty yards and also forty seven touchdowns. So the most touchdowns in the in the uh, in college football. Uh, I saw him play throughout the season. Uh, based a real factor in why Ohio State is as good as they are. He can move. He can run the ball as well, just like Kyler Murray. Uh, is a good leader. He also was able to get it done this year against Michigan in a great game against the number four team in the nation at the time. You know. And I like his numbers. Uh, again, I would not be surprised if Dwayne Haskins won it either. I think just because of Oklahoma and what they're able to do offensively, I can kind of see, uh, just just as a guess, I can kind of see the committee kind of swing to Kyler Murphy just because of how important offense is to Oklahoma and how they use that offense to get them to where they are. Uh, Ohio State, uh, they have a really great offense. Uh, he's the main focus point of that offense. However, I think them taking a loss earlier this year to uh, Purdue might knock him off a little bit because he really wasn't that great in that game. Uh, but let's take another quick break, y'all. When we come back, we're going to go over some NFL stuff. Uh, of course, I got the top of my top set of power rankings. Uh, we also got my three takeaways from week 13. And I'm going to wrap that up with uh, three uh, three questions for week 14. And then also, uh, we got some basketball college hoops uh, to talk about. And then we're going to wrap everything up with some NBA action. So, all right, y'all. I'll be right back. All right, y'all. Let's get it. Uh, we are back. Let's go through these power rankings real quick for the NFL. Uh, going into week 14. At number seven, I got the Bears. Uh, they got an ugly loss. They're coming off an ugly loss to the Giants and OT. They're currently standing at eight and four overall. They're still number one in the, uh, the NFC East. Uh, I think they do have a manageable schedule after they host the Rams, which I do think could be a trap game for the Rams. Um, but finally with them, in Trubisky, they trust. 
their evolution is going to depend on the evolution of Mitch Trubisky as a quarterback. Uh, with that being said, I got them at number eight because there's no telling what he has for you in store. Uh, there's some untapped potential there, I do believe, but he's still a work in progress. So that for right now, they're at number seven. They do have potential to move, though. At six, we have the Texans. They're currently standing at nine and three. Uh, I really do like this team in a way. Uh, they're 12th in to, uh, total yards a game with 374. They're also third in the rushing, uh, in, in the rushing department. Lamar Miller is having a, in my opinion, a comeback, uh, comeback of the year, uh, type of type of performance. I have not been expecting this from him. Uh, 100 yards in the past few games, really good numbers. Balancing that offense out, especially with the loss of Will Fuller, a great deep threat for Houston. Uh, but they're able to get this job done. They they play in a winnable con uh, division. Uh, that division is looking like it wants to fall apart as we speak. I like this. I like their chances. They have a really good defense, third in uh, third in the league in scoring, only 19.6 points allowed a game, tenth uh, in yards allowed. You can't move on them and you can't score on them. I like them. That's to me. That's a recipe for good football. The question is, can they take out some of these AFC uh, contenders that have been around for a minute? That's going to be the next question for them. At number five, we have the Chargers, who are also at nine and three. They have a good. They're coming off a good win as well, uh, thirty-three to thirty against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Their defensive tackle Brandon Meebane is back, so they got some more defensive help, some more tackling. Uh, but their schedule is not necessarily going to be easy. I have a question uh, referring to them a little bit later on, and it has a little bit to do with that schedule. Uh, but um, in terms of that schedule, they will have to play Kansas City. Uh, they'll have to play at Kansas City and have to play Denver, and they also have to play against the Ravens, another playoff, uh, potentially playoff bound team. At least a team in the hunt for the for a wild card. So, uh, some good teams they have to they have to get past. The question is, can they do it? That'll be the real question for them. And that for now, I got them at number five. Uh, and four, we have the Patriots, nine and three as well. They can clinch ninth. Uh, Clinch the AFC East next week with a well this week with a win at Miami. This will be their tenth straight. Um, not too much to say about them. I think they can. I think they got the AFC East again. I mean the the Dolphins pose no real threat to them in my opinion. Tannehill, uh, he's he's he doesn't compare to Tom Brady. That defense is not compared to the Patriots. I don't see any real in in any real uh, logical situation that the Dolphins can win just by just based off what I'm able to see. I don't even need to read their stats or really go into that game um, because if for that uh, the pack the Patriots another you know another another low level opponent. You know I, I feel like they they convince me when they get to playoffs. That's when they start to make me uh, a believer in them. During the regular season, I think everybody, you know, I don't know. That's just me. I, I I'm not a. I'm, I know the Dolphins ain't shit, so I'm not. I'm not buying. I'm not really buying into this game. Like this is gonna be like a great achievement. Ooh, ten years in a row. Obviously, you play in a weak division. Um, number three, we had the ten, uh, the Saints, excuse me, uh, ten and two. That Cowboy loss was ugly. I will go into that in a. Further on, a little bit later, uh, and they did lose a number one seed to uh, Dallas. Oh, sorry, they lost a number one seed to the Rams. Excuse me, in that loss to Dallas. But with all this uh, drama between coaches and quarterbacks, uh, it's good to know that Sean Payton and Drew Brees have mutual respect of each other. I think this relationship alone uh, still makes them a top team in the league and makes them a Super Bowl threat. Uh, I do not think that they lose a, another game like that to Dallas uh, or to. Anybody, uh, for that matter, um, 
in those ways. But I'll get into that loss a little bit more in a, in a, a little bit more, just a little bit. Uh, at number two, we have the Chiefs, also at ten and two. The big story coming from there is MV Patty Mahomes, forty-one touchdowns this year, four thousand two hundred and seven yards. One of the best seasons I've seen uh, from a quarterback uh, since I've been around. Uh, he is at this point with what I've seen, especially with Drew Brees' last loss. I uh, I'm, I might have to put him uh, put. Patty Mahomes at the forefront of my MVPs MVP race right now. However, uh, what I will say about them is Kareem Hunt and a lack of a solid running game uh, will come back to haunt them. I do not think Andy Reid is the greatest coach of all time. Uh, he does make his little errors, and I think without a balanced offense, which is looking like we're starting to get from them, I don't like their postseason chances. Just saying. That's just me. But for right now, they're still number two. And at number one, of course, without, you know, any real surprise, we have the Rams sitting up there at 11-1. and one. They have the second highest scoring offense in the league. The defense does give up big plays, though. They play a lot of hero balls. So they have the all-stars on their team. And also, like I said, I think they have a trap game at Chicago. I think if Chicago comes in there hungry, they haven't really lo- – they won two in a row even with – well, they won a couple uh, games even with their backup. Uh, again – uh, their development, you know, the Bears' development is based on Mitch Trubisky. But I like that defense. I like them at home. I think it's a trap game. I think it's a trap game for L.A. Uh, but for right now, they're definitely the number one team, in my opinion, in the league. Uh, moving on, we got three takeaways from week 13. And one, the Steelers are slipping. They're still first in the division, but they've lost two in a row. Uh, James Conner has also, uh, well, he will be out this week against the Raiders with a lower leg contusion. He's also had some issues this week with holding on to the ball and uh, giving up, giving it up. Uh, so I, I think this team uh, still has a chance to win its division. They cannot lose anymore. Baltimore is right on their heels, and there's no guarantee what Baltimore has. So if Baltimore is able to come up and beat San Diego this week or when they play San Diego, I'm not even too sure who Baltimore plays this week per se. But if Baltimore continues to win, then we have an issue. Now, I do believe that they play the Chargers this week. If they're able to get past the Chargers this week, and the Steelers lose. I, I don't like. I don't like the Steelers' chances of making the playoffs uh, right now. Uh, but as of now, like I said, they still have the first spot in the division. Um, James Conner will be out, but you know, if any team can get it done, it it ought to be the Steelers. It, it ought to be them. Uh, now, my second takeaway was that St. Louis was really bad. Uh, for one, like I said, they lost 13 and 10. We talked about this game a little bit. 13 and 10 at Dallas. Uh, Breeze went 18 to 28, 127 yards. He had a touchdown, but he threw an interception as well. Uh, Breeze was sacked and pressured, and it looked to really get to him mentally. You could see it on his face, and I, n- I have not seen him have that look in a while. That look on his face of pure frustration. Uh, he went also went on to say that the offense was not able to to execute and that went on to frustrate him throughout the game again i don't see it happening again but another thing that really stuck out to me was that running game was non-existent alvin kamara and melvin ingram uh mark ingram excuse me uh failed to rush for over 50 yards that's not a good sign uh, of course dallas does have a good defense a great front seven uh so that might not happen a whole lot but again you do not want to Again, you don't want to be too pass heavy in this league. I don't care how I don't care, you know how much they say this is a passing league. This is a quarterback driven league. 
I would not get used to just being one dimensional. I'm telling you, you if you bring another another facet to your game that people are not used to, I'm telling you, you can you can you can you can make your team a, a, a playoffs a powerhouse overnight. Do something that nobody else can do. Everybody's passing the ball. Uh, I'm just saying, everybody's passing the ball. I I need some I need some cohesion. I need a running. I need balance. I need somebody to run as well. I like the Seahawks. They can run. Uh, and three, we have the Colts ought to be ashamed of themselves. They lost last week to Jacksonville, zero to six. Andrew Luck had uh, he went thirty. He threw fifty-two passes, two hundred and forty-eight yards, but could not get a touchdown. And he went off and threw an interception. Marlon Mack was a no-show. I believe twenty-seven yards. Of course, that defense only gave up six points. Uh, but with that being said, when you have none and you have the better offensive player, I believe the better offensive leader, would that be Andrew Luck compared to Marcus Mariota, which actually with that game probably has me changing, thinking about a lot of things now. I don't, again, I think Andrew Luck is not, I don't think Andrew Luck is a bust, but if you're throwing the ball for 52 times and you're pretty much the best player the best quarterback for each team, each of the two teams. At least that's how the media portrays it. Six zero, you lost six zero. That's a bad sign, very bad sign. I don't think they're in a the hut for the playoffs. I think they need to just maintain. Uh, we need to keep Andrew Luck's reps together. We need to keep his reps up. We need to get our running game established, and we'll go into the next season knowing a lot more questions. For right now, uh, that was an ugly game. And I don't even want to talk about it again. Three questions for week 14 before we wrap this up. Who's better, Zeke or Todd Gurley? Currently, they're neck and neck in terms of uh, production, in terms of stats. I think the real question will be able to, well, the real question here is which of these backs can lead their team to the promised land? Which of these backs are going to, and I think because of Zeke's situation, I think Zeke will get a little bit more props here because Dak is shit at quarterback. Let's just be honest. Or he's not raw at quarterback. And I don't think he has fully helped with his coaching staff. Because if they gave a damn about him, they wouldn't just give him a Mark Cooper midseason. If they gave a damn about him. They gave him some shitty raw receivers. And uh, sure, they, they, they got some help with Amari um, Cooper. But no, they didn't really give him the benefit of the doubt with that. Uh, but I think Zeke will probably end up, you know, taking home. I, I think Zeke is, is I don't know if, they're, if there's really... A question for that, an answer for that for me right now. I think both of them are really good. They're both of them are a big factor in why their team is so successful. I have to wait till the season's over to really answer that one. Um, my second question is who's really to blame for what went down in Green Bay? Of course, uh, we have Mike McCarthy getting fired last week, so that probably already answers that question. Uh, but I, I think we'll get some more answers this week without him. Uh, it's officially Aaron's team. There's no ownership there. So uh, basically, the star quarterback runs that team. That's always been the case. Brett Favre uh, had a lot of say in that locker room as well and in that organization. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how far Aaron can take the team. If that, since that's what he wanted, that's really what he wanted, go ahead and be the GM, sir. Be, go ahead. Go right ahead. And finally, can the, uh, can the Chargers still the AFC West from the Chiefs? I think this is a really uh, interesting question because, of course, uh, the Chargers are just, a, just one game back 
from the Chiefs. The Chiefs already have beaten earlier this year. Uh, the question is, would, would uh, the Chargers be able to win in that rematch? Uh, I think the Chiefs have the easier way out uh, in terms of their schedule. Uh, I still think uh, they can get past Oakland pretty easily. Uh, but they, they have some questions, too, now with that running game. Uh, and it looks to me like the Chargers, they've been, they've been trying to surge. They've been staying consistent for the most part. They have a really good defense, uh, really solid offense with Phillip Rivers. Uh, I would not be surprised they were able to steal it, but they would have to beat. They have to beat Kansas City in that second matchup in order for that to happen. All right, y'all. So we're going to take another quick break. And uh, when I come back, we're going to go over some college troops action. We're going to go over last night's scores. Uh, we're going to go also, uh, also going to go over the top, top, top 25, excuse me. And like I said, we're going to wrap everything up with some NBA action as well. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. All right, my people, we are back. And uh, like I said, we're going to go over this college hoops action, top 25 action. Uh, we have number 19, Ohio State, getting the win against Illinois, 77-67. to 67. We got Hartford losing to number three, Duke, 54-84. to 84. Lemoyne, I don't even know what that school is. I've never even heard of it. Uh, they take the L to number 17, Buffalo, 55-89. to 89. BMI, a.k.a. the Virginia Military Institute, takes an takes L to Virginia Tech, number 15 in the nation. Uh, that score is 68 to 89. We also got Arkansas Pine Bluff losing to Texas Tech, uh, the 13th team in the nation, uh, 47 to 65. We also got uh, Villanova, number 21 in the nation, getting it done against their uh, crosstown rival, cross city rival. Uh, two Philly, Philly teams going at it. Uh, Villanova gets the win there, 59 to 69. I'm sorry, 69 to 59 against uh, Temple. And uh, we have a big game here, uh, upset actually. Uh, unranked Minnesota uh, was able to get it done against number 24 Nebraska, 85 to 78 in some Big Ten conference play. Uh, Minif um, excuse me, both teams uh, move on to seven and two. Let's break these stats down for Nebraska. Uh, they got some big help from Is uh, Ford Isaac Copeland. He had 17 points, seven assists. Uh, Ford Isaiah Roby also helped out with 15 points. Four rebounds and Glenn Watson Jr. also did his thing. He had 14 points and four assists as well. Nebraska would go on a 23 to six run, uh, starting the second half of the first. Well, starting the second part of the first half and up until the beginning of about maybe I would say about three minutes or four minutes in uh, to the second half, they had went up 23 to six. Nebraska looked like they were controlling that game uh, from beginning to end, at least in the in the, in the first parts of the game, and that almost until the end. Actually, no. Like I said, they went up on a 23-6-1. They were pretty much controlling that game. Uh, I watched the highlights of that. Um, Minnesota would come back and forth to tie the game at uh, certain points in the first half. But after that 23-6 run, you thought they were out of it. But uh, Minnesota got a lot of help out from his point guard, Amir Coffey. 32 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds. And I'm telling you, he was all over the court in that second half. One thing that I did Peeping those highlights was him making all types of plays, passing the ball, shooting the ball, getting rebounds, slamming the ball, slam slam dunks all over the place. Amir Coffey, in my opinion, is a is the is the player of that game. Of course, not just from just the stat point, but just being him, just him being a factor, uh, just of what he was able to do. Because from beginning, from beginning of the beginning, from actually, I'm sorry, from the beginning of the game, he was all over the place, making plays, or at least trying to be involved on those highlight plays, those plays that would, uh, 
boost up morale. Uh, even in the beginning of the game, I saw him. He he went up for a dunk, and he missed it. But you can tell when he was when he was taking the ball up the court. You could tell uh, the crowd was into it. The team was into it. Minnesota was into it on the side on the on the on the sideline, and uh, he was a big factor in this game. They also got help help out from their uh, forward Jordan Murphy. He had 18 points, 13 uh, 13 rebounds. A real solid uh, double double performance from him. Uh, but again, the story of this game is Amir Coffey, 32 points, uh, shooting from everywhere on the field. I don't know if he's on anybody's scouting board, uh, but I, I myself would have to take note from this game. I, I will have to start looking into him myself to see just how, if he is on somebody's on somebody's board, because 32 points uh, with a, against a ranked team like that, a winning team like that, um, and just the way he, like I said, the way he did it, just becoming the, the focal point, becoming that leader. You can see him becoming that leader of that team, and you like that type of basketball. I like seeing, seeing guys uh, pick up the slack and say, I'm the leader of this team, or I'll be the be the, the reason why we win or lose. And he did that. Great game from him. Uh, not to not to you know put throw any shade on anybody else from Minnesota, uh, but again the leadership aspects with Amir Coffee. If the pros aren't seeing it, the scouts aren't seeing it. I'll say it first. He has some he has some leadership qualities about him. Remember the name. Amir Coffey, and if Minnesota wins their their conference or goes to the big big dance, I bet you any amount of money he's the reason why. Uh, we and also we have some more. Uh, of course, we have some more action here. Uh, North Carolina was able to get a, uh, get it done against their state rival, uh, UNC Wilmington. Uh, the number fourteen Tar Heels got it done, ninety seven to sixty nine, and finally. In the big time game of the night, number one Gonzaga was able to hold off uh, Washington, their state rival, eighty-one to seventy-nine. Uh, Gonzaga goes on to nine and zip on the season. Uh, also, Washington goes down to six and three. Now, as for Washington, as far as as far as scoring for them uh, goes, excuse me, uh, guard Jalen no Noel, excuse me, led the way. He had twenty-six points and six assists, and also their other guard Matisse Thibault had eight. 18 points. Now Washington all scored Gonzaga 49 to 41 in the second half, which is crazy. I don't see how they still lost, but uh, Gonzaga had a, a pretty hot first half to get them through. Uh, but as far as their scoring goes, uh, they they were led by, of course, your man Rui Achimura, who I've already talked about earlier this this season, or at least last week. Uh, 26 points, seven uh, seven rebounds. He also hit the game winning shot. This guy, he's a pretty good player too. Again, I don't know where he is at on these on these people's uh, big board, these draft boards, but I've been looking at his numbers at least for the past few weeks, at least since I've been following some college hoops hoops officially. And he's one of the top players. He's a really good big man. Um again, I I they're make these two guys, Amir Coffee and Rui Achimura, just looking at what they're able to do, they're making me wanna put another Another segment in this show where I'm going down and I'm starting to break down these these pro uh, prospects for basketball. So when I start coming out with that, these are the reason why these guys put up some good numbers. They're really good players, and I think they have a shot. Again, I'm not a I'm not a scout, but I'll 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 give it a damn try. Also, they were helped out by Zach uh, guard Zach Norville. Uh, he also had a pretty decent game. He's been having some pretty good games uh, the past couple of weeks as well. Fourteen point seven assists, six rebounds. Uh, again. On all different sides of the ball, he helped them out. He also got some steals. Same thing with uh, Achimura as well. Really good on the defensive end. Uh, got a couple blocks and some rebounds as well. Uh, but again, they were 
they could have lost this game. Like I said, they was outscored 49 to 41 in the second half. Uh, the two guards from Washington were really getting into them. Uh, one weakness Gonzaga may have is that uh, is that backcourt is those is that defensive along is that defense along the uh, perimeter. So and Washington was able to do a good job of shooting t in last night's game. So look out for Washington as well. I think they're a good team. I think they might even be able to challenge in the Pac-12 only because I think Oregon is facing a down year. Uh, Stanford is still pretty good, though. But look out for watch the Hussies as well. Both of these teams played a really good game. All right, y'all. So let's go through the top 25 this week. Uh, at number one, of course, we have Gonzaga at 9-0. We've already talked about them. Not too much to get away from. They are still the power power position. At number two, we have Kansas, who are 7-0. They already have two wins against top uh, top teams in the 25. Uh, we have They have wins against Michigan State and against Tennessee. However, their center, Aduka, Udoka, excuse me, Udoka Azubuki, has sprained his right ankle, and there's no real timetable on when he'll be back, but he is a major factor, especially for them in the paint. So look for them, look for that to affect them. I don't know if they take losses right away. They still look to be a good team without him, uh, but just look out for that, my Jayhawk fans. At three, we have Duke, who is 8-1. At four, we have Virginia, who is 8-0. At five, here comes Michigan, the Big Blue, 9-0. At 6, we have Nevada, also 8-0. At number 7, we have Tennessee. We have some SEC representation. They are 6-1 right now at this point in the season. At number 8, we have another SEC team. Uh, we're going to the SEC West with Auburn, 7-1 overall. At number 9, back Three in a row. Three three SEC teams in a row. At number nine, we got Kentucky, who is also representing the SEC East, and they are seven and one. Uh, number ten, we have Michigan State, who is at seven and two. At number eleven, we got Florida State, sitting here pretty at seven and one for now. At twelve, we have Wisconsin, who is eight and zero. Oh. At number thirteen, here comes Big Bad Texas Tech. The Red Raiders are currently sitting at eight and zero, oh, and they are tied for the first spot in the Big Twelve with Kansas. Their best win so far this uh, this season is a win is a seventy two to fifty two win against Nebraska, and they also have the tenth best defense uh, with sixty four point eight points allowed. One thing that I will look at them though. One thing that I did find out was that their offense is not as great. Uh, they average about. 70 points a game, 71 or 74, uh, that's good for about 60th in the nation. So if that's their one drawback, that would be it. That would keep them out of a conference championship game because Kansas can shoot. Kansas can definitely score. They've always been able to do that. At number 16, we have Kansas State. Not to be confused with the Jayhawks. These are the Wildcats out there in Manhattan. They Manhattan, Kansas. Oh, and not to forget, I'm sorry, I skipped two teams. Sorry. 14, we got UNC. Uh, they are at 7-2. North Carolina, Tar Heels, of course. Uh, we also got Virginia Tech at 15. They are 7-1. And, and at 16, like I said, the Kansas State Wildcats out in Manhattan, Kansas, not Manhattan, New York. Just saying. Just for those who don't know, I'd let you know. At number 17, we have Buffalo. Yes, in New York, like the Bills, but these are the Buffalo Bulls. They are 8-0 currently. Which is surprising. I've never seen them rank before either. Just like I've never seen Nevada rank before either. This is crazy. This is, I've seen Texas Tech rank. I've seen Wisconsin rank before. I've seen Auburn rank before. But two teams I've never seen in the top 25 is Nevada and Buffalo. Crazy. At number 18, we have Iowa. They are currently at 6-0. They have lost two games straight. 
Um, look for them to probably lose their ranking. Uh, unless they win something this week, they will probably be out of rankings by the end of this week. If they lose another game, they're, I would say that they're out. Um, they got. We also got 19 Ohio State. They have a they have a good win. Like I talked about, I just mentioned that against Illinois. Good Big Ten win. They are at eight and one. At 20, we have Arizona State, who is also at eight and one. Now they're. They're a team to look at in the Pac-12, too. I would not be surprised if Arizona State was able to steal the conference as well, especially come conference tournament time. Uh, at number 20, 21, excuse me, we have Villanova. Also had a win last night, uh, like I said, against their cross-city rival at Temple. Uh, they're sitting there at 7-2. and two. Uh, They lost to, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they lost to Minnesota actually this week. Uh, not this week, uh, but earlier in the season. So Minnesota does have some solid wins this year. Oh, it wasn't. Sorry, I'll get to that team that beat Villanova in just a second. Never mind. Cross that out. <laughs> at number two, we have Mississippi State, who is sitting there at seven and one. So we have a lot of SEC representation. Uh, some good teams coming out of the SEC in terms of basketball. Usually they're a football conference, but uh, this year they're looking like a really good basketball conference as well. At number twenty-three, we have Maryland. Uh, they are sitting at seven and one. They are also a quiet powerhouse. Do not be surprised they are able to challenge in the ACC and make it to that conference championship. And at number 24, we have Nebraska. They are at 7-2. Like I said, they just took the loss to Minnesota last night. I still think they're a pretty decent team. I don't think they're good enough to win the Big Ten, though. Uh, but moving on, at number 25, we have the Furman Paladins. I do not know where the school is. I hear about it every now and again. Uh, but this, they are 9-0, and this is their first appearance ever in the top 25. They are a top shooting uh they are top 30 in shooting and also shooting percentage and also a top 30 team in terms of points scored so they can score a little bit uh they've also like i said they also beat two of last year's final four teams i'm sorry i made a mistake i said that uh nebraska got that win against villanova no it was actually Furman. uh Furman beat two teams that were in the final four last year they've beaten villanova like i said and they beaten loyola in chicago so Two good marquee wins so far, and they play in a really easy, manageable conference. I'm not saying they go undefeated, but I would not be surprised if we're looking at a team with maybe two, possibly three losses going into a conference champ, going into a uh, going into a tournament. And I think this team has is good enough to make it to the NCAA tournament. Just with what I've seen so far, they already have two wins against Final Four, four teams. I like it. I like it. Uh, they do play in a weaker conference, and it's easier for them to win. Do not be surprised they're able to get that conference as well. All right, y'all. Uh, let's take another quick break, and uh, we'll wrap everything up with some NBA action. You know what? No, no, no. We only have a few games to cover. We'll just do it right now. Let's wrap this all up. Uh, let's go over last night's scores. Uh, we got the Nuggets getting it done against the Magic in overtime, 124 to 118. Uh, the Thunder got it done against the Nets, 114 uh, to 112. Uh, the Hornets also, uh, actually the T-Wolves get the win against the Hornets, 121 to 104. Uh, the Warriors get it done against another nondescript Eastern Conference team who we know is trash. Uh, they got it done against the Cavs, 
129-105. The Raptors, I'm sorry, yeah, the Raptors, they keep it going on, and they keep, uh, they get another win. Uh, this time is against the Sixers, 113-102. Uh, Let's break down the scoring in this one. Uh, your boy, Jimmy Butler, uh, he did a, he did his thing for the Sixers uh, in a losing effort, albeit he had 38 points and 10 rebounds. J.J. Redick also helped out with 25 points. As for the Raptors, Kawhi Leonard led all as well. Came up just a little bit behind Jimmy Butler with 36 points and 9 rebounds. Serge Ibaka also had 18 points and 8 rebounds. And Jonas Valanciunas balling. 26 points, 8 rebounds off the bench. The Raptors move on to 21-5. and five. They still maintain the best record in the NBA. Sixers move down to 17-5. and five. All right, now moving on, we got the Pelicans blowing out the Mavericks, 132 to 106. The Wizards got it done against the Hawks, 131 to 117. Uh, the Bucks get another win this time against the Pistons, 115 to 92. Uh, the Clippers they end up losing to the Grizzlies. That's a surprising one, 86 to 96. And finally, we got the Lakers taking it to the Spurs, 121 to 113. We're gonna break this one down as well. For the Spurs, Rudy Gay led the way. He had 31 points. Points and seven rebounds. Lamarcus Aldridge had 21 points and nine rebounds. DeMar DeRozan, excuse me, also did his thing. He had 32 points and seven rebounds. Off to the Lakers. And of course, LeBron James, he leads all scores 42 points, 66, and he also got five rebounds. Kyle Kuzma also did his thing. He helped out with 22 points and five assists. He also got nine rebounds. And then uh, LeVar, I'm sorry, not LeVar, not LeVar, isn't it? Lonzo. God damn. Oh, my God. Lonzo, the son, the prodigy. No, he's not a prodigy. I'm just joking. He had 14 points and nine assists as well. All right, y'all. So we're going to wrap this up for day, today. Uh, for my next episode, we'll be going over some college football news. We do have a transfer to talk about. Uh, Kelly Bryant, I've talked about him a couple of times in this show. Uh, he has decided to make his decision about where he's going to be playing next year. I will also be be previewing some, some more of these ball matchups and also some New Year's Six games as well. College football, of course. Uh, we're going to also go over some uh, NFL news as well, uh, whatever news comes up. And, of course, we have the news, the, the war on the street as usual. Uh, of course, guys, if there's anything you would ever want me to talk about, I am free to talk to. You can always send me a message on here via Anchor. You can also uh, hit me up on Facebook, L Jamal Ajani, E-L-J-A-M-A-H-A-D. J-A-N-I. I'm also on Snapchat as well. Anything you want me to talk about, any stories you might think that I might have missed, any suggestions, any way you want to connect, I am available. Matter of fact, if you want to call me, call me. You want to text me, text me. Here's my number, 510-860-7309. You know what time it is. This is your man, L. Jamal, signing off for today. If, if anybody has not told you yet, I love you. Y'all take care of each other, and uh, peace out. One love.